98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Five o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo Show. Happy Wednesday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us here. We're live from the Auction Community Studios. Gambo's working from home today. I'm here in the studios, but we're happy to have you with us here on this Wednesday afternoon. As he does every Wednesday, Kyler meeting with the media today, coming off his great second half performance, their great second half performance in getting a much needed win on the road against Carolina. Now, now the task becomes infinitely more difficult when you're at home against the Phil. Philadelphia Eagles. One, because you're at home. You haven't won there a whole lot. And number two, because the Eagles are not the Carolina Panthers. They're very, very good. And so, Kyler, a lot of the questions were about the offense. Yeah, it was better last week, but it still has a long, long way to go before it's going to be what we're used to seeing. So he was asked today, Gambo, if those chunk plays, those those big yardage plays, that they really just seem to be missing this year, if they need to hit on some of those to get some of their confidence back. Here's what he said. I think, I mean, I think you, you'd love to be able to, you know, hit some deep shots every every game, you know, but uh, you watch across the league, I mean, sometimes it's not there. You know, you, you got to take what the defense gives you. Um, it's got to be a methodical game. Sometimes you play the Rams, you know, the they're not giving up deep shot, most deep shots, you know. So you got to drive the, drive the ball methodically, slow it down, um, and be willing to take the you know take the underneath stuff. So um, it's tough, you know. It's just, it's tough as a young, you know when you're a young quarterback learning that. But uh, you know, being year four, I've kind of dealt with it, and um, you know, I'm kind of used to it. So interesting because like I said one of my favorite plays in the game last week was not something that's going to show up on a stat sheet right it's not something that's going to add 50 yards to Kyler Murray's passing or the big 50 yard play to Hollywood Brown but the pass interference play that they were able to get going to Hollywood Brown in the end zone on a bomb I mean it was a big throw that set him up first and goal to six yard line he scored a touchdown like you got to take those shots down the field you have to take the shots down the field and even if it even if it doesn't result in a in a completion, there's a chance that you'll get a pass interference penalty. Yeah, Mar- Mar- Murray is a very accurate thrower on the deep balls. Hollywood Brown's got a lot of speed. I know you want to take a lot of the short stuff, but you got to take some shots down the field. Yeah, it, you know, it, you brought it up in the last segment. I'll bring it up again here because I, I think it applies to this conversation about taking the deep shots. You brought up in the last segment of the show, okay, what Cliff had said earlier in the week that, that they were really going to take a good hard look at how they practice, how they prepare. And in particular, how they script up the first 10 to 15 plays of every single game. Like, okay, it's obviously not working with how slow we've been to start these games. I had wondered on Monday when Cliff said that if that meant we'll see Kyler run more early in games, right? Because he doesn't run a lot early in the games. It happens more later in the games. Right. Now I wonder if those deep shots, the ones that they're not taking very often, will that be a part of a different first half look for the Cardinals, right? That that attempt to, okay, enough with the dinking, enough with the dunking, enough with the, with yeah. the you know, bubble screens, wide risky. Let's take a couple shots deep early to see if that provides a spark for an offense that could use a spark early in the game. Yeah, listen, in boxing, everybody likes, we, we all like to throw to the head. We don't love throwing the body punches, but if you throw enough punches to the body, the guy drops his hands and it makes the headshots a lot easier. So if I hit you to the body a whole bunch, I spend a lot of time going to the body, 
you'll end up dropping your hands to protect your body, and then all of a sudden there's, there's that shot to, to the chin. It's the same thing with Kyler Murray running, right? Is it the same thing? If he runs a little bit more early in the game and he's having success, aren't, aren't the, don't you expect the defense to have to cheat a little bit to account for, hey, Kyler's killing us on the ground. Right. That may open up those pass plays. Yep, and, and I think the same thing, whether you're talking about Kyler running or whether you're talking about Kyler throwing deep balls, you, you show that there's a willingness to do it, right? You show, And then suddenly the defense kind of has to expand their playbook a little bit. Like, okay, they might do this or they might do that. You put a little bit of doubt in their mind instead of just doing exactly the same thing. I'd really like to see, not not the deep shots, yes. I'd like to see Kyler run more early in games. I, I, I just think the the numbers of when he rushes, you know, nine times or more, ten times or more, they can't be denied. And, and we looked it up earlier in the week. So far this season, he's he's only got four first quarter rushing attempts out of the 24 he has so far on the season. I, I think it's he, I know he does it later because he thinks the defense is a little more worn down and maybe their gap integrity isn't in sound and all of that. But I think a couple of those shots early, a couple of those runs early might have the defense on their heels a little bit, not quite knowing what's going to come. Look, if Cliff says it's going to be different, I can't wait to see what different looks like, right? I can't see what they do to try to make it a different look against the Eagles because I'm not really sure what that means exactly for the Cards. No, but I, I just want I want different because I've seen I've seen this act four times in a row this year. It doesn't work. I need different. Yeah. So whatever I, I, the first 15 plays, man, we better see. We better come out of those first 15 plays and go. Okay, that's different. You know why? Here's why it's different. I better know why. I better know why it's different because I've seen four weeks of <laughs> you know Cliff having these plays. You know in in the in the in the bag and uh, mapped out and already and they just they don't work they don't work they don't move the ball they don't score points three and out three and out three and out yeah I want different I want that I don't care if I see a damn flea flicker I want something different <laughs> line up at a Statue of Liberty man I want something different yeah I want to know it's different. I, I want to know that it it's there's been a change. There's been some. I agree. It it, it can't be like subtle tweaks. It's got to be. No. I want to be. I want to see something different. I want to see yeah, something. Those scripted kind of plays have been a disaster. They're not working. Yeah. So when you say you want different, I want different too. But I want to be able to come in on Monday and and talk about what. Oh, did you the difference in those in the first quarter of the game and talk about what it really is without like it looked the same to me. No, they need to do something different. Kyler also talked about the Eagles defense. We spent. A a lot of time talking about them today, how good they are in the passing game, how good they are pressuring the quarterback, how good they are at forcing turnovers. They got a lot of great players over there. A lot of great players are flying around. They're playing together, um, playing real good complimentary football, offense, defense, and special teams. There's a reason why they're 4-0. Um, but like I said, they got you know they got some really good players over there. Now you can you can at times score on them. The Lions did, the Jags did early before the defense kind of clamped down and forced all of those fumbles from Trevor Lawrence. Um, but this is this is one of those games where another rough start for the Cardinals and you're down early. Another one of those you're down double digits in the first quarter. You're not uh, you can't play that game with the Philadelphia. Eagles. You might be able to get away with that with somebody else with the Carolina Panthers on the road. You ain't getting away with that with the Philadelphia no. Eagles. Just they not make you one dimensional. They'll eat you for lunch. They make you one dimensional where you just throw. They'll 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 have their way with you. That's yeah. that, that that that's why the, the 
to quick starts just to, it's important to get off to a quick start. Now he was asked about Jalen Hurts, who of course you know also went to Oklahoma just like Kyler Murray did, and he was very funny response to this question. At least we thought it was funny because he very quickly off the top of his head knows what his record is against other Oklahoma quarterbacks. But he was asked how long he gets bragging rights for being undefeated against Oklahoma quarterbacks. What am I right now for now? I mean, Jalen. Jalen. He spent. He spent. He spent a lot of time at Bama. I mean. I, I mean. It's. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too worried about it right now. Didn't Kyler spend just as much time at Oklahoma as Jalen did? Um. I mean, two years, right? Well, it was one year. One year. He was behind Baker. One of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Hertz was. Hertz was just there one year. Yeah, Trey. I mean, Trey Sermon, the Ohio State running back. He was he was there at one point. Two, he was there two years. I apologize. He was there two years. Yeah, Kyler was, was, there, Kyler was there two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Two, two years. Well, I mean, he was the backup behind Baker. He barely played that, but he yes, he was there two years, not just one. I, I only remember the one because it was really the only one that he that he yeah, played. Year, and played he a lot. Play. He barely yeah. played at all. The yep. first year he barely played, and then but he knew he was four and zero. Oh, he knew that. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> he, oh, you bet. You mm. bet he did. He yeah. knew that will be. You bet. Yeah, like, like I said earlier, don't ask the question unless you know the answer to it. <laughs> make sure, I make sure every question I ask ask my wife. I make sure I know the answer to it before uh, I ask it. Are you saying? Are you mm-hmm. saying now? Your wife is a very kind, kind person. Are she you, is a kind soul. She's she a, saved she's the whales and the dolphins. Really good person. Are you, are you saying you're a little concerned you might get a less than honest answer, Gambo? Is that what you're implying here? Is that what you're saying? No, no. I just you know. Honey, we're at Nordstrom's today. How much did you spend? I, I better make sure I know, you know. <laughs> Just in case she tells you a number that's not the correct number. Is that what you're worried about? You got some new dunks. How much did those cost? Yeah, just, just make just make sure you know the answer to it before you answer the question. Oh, uh, boy. Grammy Award-winning Muse is headed to Desert, Desert Diamond Arena on April 2nd, 2023. Now, tickets go on sale this Friday. You can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, Jalen Hurts. Hurts is still kind of like Kyla Murray in how unique they are. Is that what makes the Eagles so successful this year? Certainly it's part of it. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. I will say this too. Um, I didn't get any questions about the Cardinals for real this this game, so I don't want y'all thinking this is this is a really good team we're about to play. They 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 have a really good defense, disruptive up front. Um, they have speed on on the back end, so um, let's let's not set the precedent for that. This is a good football team. Unprompted, Jalen Hurts today, quarterback of the Eagles, says, "Hey, what's up with that Philly media? Yeah, let's. What's up with that Philly media? You can't ask a question about the Cardinals. Seriously, going up against Kyla Murray." Zach Ertz? Come on, Zach Ertz. You can't ask a question about the Cardinals? Is it, is it that much of a foregone conclusion? The Eagles are going to come in here and mop up the cards on their in their own building that the How Philly media just, can't even ask one question about the Cardinals to Jalen Hurts? Not one. You have to ask a question about the opponent every week, I would think. No matter who you're playing, you yeah, should ask a question I, I about the think, opponent. I mean, you, hey, what do you think about your opponent this week? What do you think about that defense? And 
Something, something, anything. And, and, you know, credit to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, credit to Jalen Hurts for, for saying, hey, man, no one's asked me about the Cardinals. That's you, you all need to do better than that. I'll, I'll, that's a good team. And, you know, that's a he's a mature kid, and he's, you know, he's a smart guy and all of that. But that was that was a moment from his press conference today that even people in Philly are like, oh, you know, the, the why aren't the Philly, Philly media asking him about the Cardinals? And then he went on to talk about the respect that he has for Kyler Murray. Since I was in high school, I always had a lot of respect for Kyler, you know, Texas is a big, a really big state, um, and it's a football state. So it's, that's that's what it is. And um, you know, I, I always you know remember him, you know, doing his thing in the DFW at Allen. Um, won a lot. Of, I mean, won every game he played in in high school. You know, what I'm saying that's that's very impressive. And he was able to do great things at OU um, in his collegiate career, winning the Heisman, and um, off to a great start in his career. Now I'm doing great things, so I have a lot of respect for him. But when talking about Jalen Hurts and and the you know, how much responsibility he has for this four and zero start. You know, again, every element of this Eagles team we could talk about. There, they've been extraordinary at so far to start the year. Whether it's their offensive line, their defensive pressure, the the running game, and we just go on and on. Dallas Goddard, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and what he's doing as it relates to Jalen Hurts specifically. It's a, a great deep dive story today on the Ringer website, in which they said, look, part of the reason why they're having the success. They are running a style of offense that is very rarely seen at the NFL level. The RPO, the run-pass option offense. Most teams only run it about 8% of the time. They're running it like 20% of the time in Philly, which is more in line of a Power 5 college football program than it is an NFL team. And in part, they're doing it because that kind of plays to his strengths, and it simplifies things a little bit for him. It really is fascinating when you just look at, you know, they run at about the same level that a college offense runs it, you know, and a lot, you know, double, more than double what an NFL team, like all the NFL teams have a version of it. Kansas City runs more than Philly, but that's it. That's the only team that does. But if you go look at Power Five conferences, they're running those RPOs a lot, a lot more. It's kind of like what the Eagles are. So they're very similar to a, a college offense. It is not a whole lot of, you know, under the center rushes this year with the Eagles. They don't have a lot of, you know, that rushing the ball. Only 26 times have they had, you know, under the center rushes called. It's the third lowest number in the league. So they don't do that a whole lot. They love this run pass option and it's worked very well for them. Yeah, it's it's there's this fancy schmancy chart that was part of the story. And I mean, one thing's very, very clear. Not a lot of stuff is clear looking at this chart. But one thing that's very, very clear, the two teams ahead of everybody else in the league by a country mile when it comes to calling runs out of the shotgun formation are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. They do it way more than anybody else. But, I mean, the Cardinals, it's not so much a run-pass option. It's Philly runs much more of the RPOs than the Cardinals do. But in terms of putting their quarterbacks in those shotgun situations like that, and it makes sense, Jalen Hurts is 6'1", Kyler Murray is 5'11", 6 feet tall. I mean, it makes sense that they're going to run a majority of their snaps in the shotgun the way those two teams do. 
Yeah, no, that's part of it, right? That's part of it is that the size, the size of your quarterback. I think that's a big part of it is just the, you know, the size of, of your quarterback and why you run those things. It, Philly's different at it. You know, Jalen's a different runner than Kyler is. Yep. Jalen's running a whole lot, but he's, you know, he's a little bit thicker. So he's, you know, he's going to go take on those tackles and go after it. But it is amazing the success that they've had with the RPO, that, that run pass option. Now, a lot of times, you know, we sit there, oh, we want Kyler under center. We want Kyler under center because you want to run some play action, right? You want to run the play action. You want to get the defense guessing that you may do a handoff. But I think, I think a lot of the reason that they don't like to do it is because, you know, Kyler, Kyler takes the, you know, takes the snap under center and he turns around to look at the running back and pretend he's going to, now you got to, you, you've got your back to the defense. You lose sight of the defense for a, you know, for a split second. Yep. And then if you, if you're not handing the ball off, you've got to turn around and you've got to figure things out quickly. You know, that could, besides the size, that could be another reason why they don't do that. No, I would imagine that that has a lot to do with it. And that's part of the reason why they keep, why they keep Kyler back there in, in shotgun. Um, this, this offense that Philly runs and they point this out in the story, you're going to run this kind of offense. You've got to be comfortable with the idea of your quarterback getting hit. He is going to get hit and they point out the difference. And you mentioned this a second ago, but I'll, I'll bring it up again. The, the, the difference with Jalen Hurts compared to the other quarterbacks who run is that he runs a lot. Four weeks in, he's got 53 carries so far this year, counting all players in the NFL, including running backs. That's the 19th most in the league. He's the 19th most carries in the NFL. The next closest is Lamar Jackson at 37. Kyler only has 24. So Kyler, we talk about Kyler running more. Kyler has literally carried the ball less than half as much as Jalen Hurts has so far this year. And you're right, Hurts, because he's a little bit thicker of a guy than Kyler, isn't necessarily looking to avoid contact when he's out there. He's He kind of initiates you. Look at that fourth and goal touchdown that he had last week. He took plenty of contact on that play. Kyler avoids contact, is smart about getting down, is elusive, is shifty, is, is able to elude it. Jalen Hurts doesn't really look to elude it as much as Kyler. Maybe doesn't have those abilities to and you just wonder, I mean, it certainly it doesn't apply this week against the Cardinals, but how sustainable is an offense where your quarterback is getting is carrying the ball that much is going to get hit that much? That's the big question there. Yeah, no, there's no question that that's a risk that every team takes when they have their quarterbacks run. I mean, I think you brought it up. You know, 53 carries. The next closest is Lamar at 37, on pace for 225. That would break a record by a lot. Uh, 13 carries per game. No coach really wants that. You know, you almost think that, like, okay – We've always talked about a running back and only takes but running backs careers of five. By the time they're thirty, they're done. I just don't know if you're going to have a if you're going to have a quarterback run that much. You know, is there a chance that he's going to play until his mid thirties or, or you know into his forties? I don't I don't know. I mean, that's you start to, all those hits they they add up when you take now. If you're Kyler and you, you get out of bounds, you can go down. That's one thing. But like you mentioned, Hertz Hertz is going to take guys on if he has a chance to make a play. He's going to try to make it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about okay. So I just did the math real quick. Okay. That the record that the Cardinals have when Kyler Murray runs the ball nine times or more, right? I think it's twelve and one or whatever. If he ran nine times per game in seventeen games, that's a 153 rushing attempts. What number did you say that he that Jalen Hurts is on pace for? 227. 200. I just lost it for a second. I'm looking it back up. It was like 235. I 225 think. 225 puts Hurts on pace 225. for 225. So as much as we want Kyler to run more, even if he's running as much as we want, that's still 75 rush attempts less 
than what than what Jalen Hurts is on pace for. So I mean, there's he's running it. He, I mean, we all want Kyler to run it a little bit more, but not like Jalen Hurts more. That's a lot. It's just at some point, I think that just becomes too risky for that offense. But just not in time yeah. for this game. Listen, I think it's a, I think it's a matchup thing. I mean, I think there are plenty of games that you should be able to win with Kyler staying in the pocket and not running a whole lot. But there are games where like you're not going to win that game unless Kyler runs. So I I I don't think it's in every day like every week. This is the game plan. Kyler's got to run it more than five times. Then you got to try to win some of these games with him not running a whole lot. There should be teams that you can beat without having him run. So I think it's just a matter of you know if the matchup calls for him to run, well then he's got to run. When we come back, Jake Crowder maybe wants a new contract. We know Cam Johnson wants a new contract. The question for the Suns: Who's signing those contracts? That's next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. John Gambador, Dave Burns here, live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday. Yesterday, Baxter Holmes from ESPN reported the expectation in the industry, uh, the financial industry, is that the Suns will set a record for the largest sale price of an NBA franchise in the history of the league, that they'll blow away the sale price, the previous record sale price, which was, I think, $2.35 billion by Joe Tsai for the Brooklyn Nets a couple years ago when he bought the team. Uh, I even read something today from the article we're about to talk about. Um, $4 billion maybe, for the Phoenix Suns when it's all said and done. $3 Ooh, billion. Man. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, and if Bezos is involved, if... if um, Iger is involved. If I mean, there, it, it it seems as if this is going to be a big, big money transaction. But here's the other thing, Gambo, that came from that story yesterday, and that is Jim Pittman, the CFO of the Sons of the Mercury, telling employees, according to the report, that this process could take six to nine months. So the question, and we'll talk about Jay Crowder specifically in a minute, because I think we need to talk about that too a little bit. But the question right now. Is you know Cam Johnson's extension? If it's going to happen, it's got to be by October seventeenth. Uh, that could be a hundred million dollars. That could be more than a hundred million dollars. Who authorizes that? You know who's who makes that decision in this kind of ownership dead zone the Suns are going through right now? Because that's kind of an important question for this year, isn't it? I, yes, yeah. Six to nine months is what they anticipate that yes. it could take that long. It could take six to nine months. Man, that's the anticipation. Wow. Let me read. I mean, make sure I got this. A, Suns yeah, executive that's... vice president and CFO Jim Pittman, Pittman relayed to team employees that a fully executed sale of the team could take six to nine months. So that's the whole season. That's the whole season. That's so, the whole season. So you're going to make a trade. At the deadline, who authorizes that? You're it's got to be the guy, Sam um, Garvin. It's got to be Sam Garvin. It's got to be. Now, you know, normally I would have, you know, I would have said, okay, and everything's going to eventually run through Sarber, but. If I'm Robert Sarver, there's no chance in the world I'm even. I'm not, I don't need any. Fi- I don't need any fine coming up because uh, you know word got back that I was involved in something. So I don't want. If I'm selling, I got. I don't care. Like I don't. I don't care. I mean, you know, if 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 he's going to sell the team, 
I don't know that he's got that much interest in it anymore. You know, so I don't think that he'll be involved in it. He put Sam in charge, and I imagine that Sam will have a certain amount of leeway. But the big question becomes in like if it's a big money decision, sure. Like Cam with, with a new owner coming in, can you are you allowed to make those right. decisions? Right. You know, because the new owner may be like, hey man, I. Why'd you just add fifty million to the payroll? Mm-hmm. Like you know, yep. because that owner's basing it and basing his price on, you know, what the evaluations are and everything like that, and the salaries going forward. And at that price, it's probably not that big of a deal if they added a thirty million dollars salary. It's not going to. I'm not going to take it because you have too much salary. It's, that's not going to be the case. But I do think that you, you know, I wonder if the NBA has to get involved in, you know, kind of okaying some of these deals. Yeah, no, the, and that I, I think uh, I would imagine. Imagine that's probably the next step because you're right. There's there are certain levels here. If, if you're gonna if you're gonna add a player at the trade deadline and that player is gonna you know cost you an extra five million dollars, you can probably do that if you're the Suns and not have to worry about it. But let's take Cam Johnson for example. And, and the story we're citing came from our friends over at Bright Side of the Sun, who as always do a really good job covering the Suns and, and frankly give us a lot of good stuff to talk about when it comes to the Suns uh, with some of the angles they come up with. One of the stories they wrote about today was okay, Cam Johnson and and. What the market like Tyler Hero is he going to get Tyler Hero money? Probably not. But if I'm Cam Johnson's agent, I'm probably using Tyler Hero's contract as as a at least a talking point for what I want my guy to get. And and so that's a hundred and thirty million dollar transaction. I mean, even if it's Mikel Bridges' money, right? That's a right. ninety one million dollar transaction. Is Sam Garvin? Authorized to do that? I, I and I don't know. I, I this you we joked earlier on the show. Don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. I'm asking the question and I don't know the answer. I have no idea if Sam Garvin is in a position to say yes. I approve of a hundred million dollar expenditure, even though I have no freaking clue who is going to be the owner of this team nine months from now. I don't know if he's got that power or not. And that- I mean, it could be that there was discussions made on here's here's a budget. Like I'm going to turn things over to you for a certain amount of time. And here is the budget and the, and, and the parameters of which you can work with. Anything you do is of your discretion, but here is what, you know, here is what the budget is. Like, so I would imagine that this was probably some kind of conversation between Sarver and Garvin on that. As far as, okay, we, you could do this, you could do that. Can I add a guy on uh, five years and 150 million? No, you can't do that. Okay. okay. Like, good to know. Yeah. 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 yeah like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I mean, I'm sure that, yeah, boundaries, yeah, boundaries, right? Yeah. I'm sure that Garvin can't be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to trade Devin Booker. I mean, like, oh yeah, no. I mean, like there are definitely parameters in play, and the NBA was gonna, is going to stop anything that's crazy and dumb. They would stop it and prevent it. But I would imagine he's got some leeway to run the organization because they put him in charge. I just it's tricky because the Suns are in the middle of this championship window, and so you want them to be aggressive, and you just wonder how aggressive can they be. Now, the other part of this bright side story today that that honestly is something we talked about a little bit yesterday is this idea that maybe you're better off just extending Jay Crowder. Maybe if that's what he wants, right? Like at first when we you had that report that he wanted, um, you broke the news that he wanted an extension and he didn't want to come off the bench. Right. And and at first we kind of scoffed at it like, yeah, Jay's you're not getting an extension. You're not doing that. But on on second thought and in retrospect, 
given what's out there for Jay and how they're probably not going to make themselves better with a trade that they make for Jay, are they better off just giving him a two-year extension worth $22 million, giving him a slight raise from what he's making, so he's got the financial security knowing that he's not going to submarine his value by coming off the bench for a year for the Suns? It's not a bad idea when you think about it. No. No, but again, like, you know, what is... You know what? Who has the final say in that? Is the Sam have the say? I mean, at this point, Robert is relinquished. All he he's suspended. Yes. Okay. Going through the sale or not? Right now, he's suspended. He's got no say. He he cannot give a direction for the organization on what they're going to do. He appointed somebody else. You would think that that person has parameters to work with, has a budget to work with, and it's of his discretion on what he wants to do. You know what? I'm in charge. I think that we should sign Jay Crowder to a two-year deal for $25 million. Okay? That's reasonable, right? You go to the NBA, we just re- the NBA, is not, they're not going to say you can't do that. That, that That's going to be approved. That That's not going to affect the sale. Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson, you know what? You're James Jones. Hey, I just uh, agreed to a contract extension, twenty million dollars a year for Cam Johnson on a on a four year deal. Okay, great. The NBA is not going to say no. Your general manager is is the one who you know agree into that. Your general manager is going to make these. He's going to go to the owner. Sam Garvin's not making the deals. James Jones is going to say, "Of course, I've been talking to Jay's agent. We can get a deal done two years and twenty five. I think we should do it." Okay, let's do it. It's just a question of whether. Sam has the power to be able to and I talk to, I talk about him like I know him personally I don't it's just, does he have the power to sign checks that big you know in, in this state of flux that they're in right now and and again I, I don't know but I do know that this idea of of trying to mend fences with Jay and maybe giving him a contract extension that he feels like he deserves to keep him around here even if he doesn't start I'm not I'm not saying bring cam off the bench you need to start cam Johnson but if you can give him a new contract and convince him that staying here is best for him and, and give him a little extra scratch to make him feel that way about the Suns. The, the longer this goes on, the more I think they're better off finding a way to try to keep him. Because I, 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 I fear that whoever they bring in is going to be a lesser player and that their bench is going to be an issue all year long. I don't fear that if Jay Crowder is the first guy off that bench for the Suns. I think it's something worth looking into for Phoenix. The other thing you're talking about, nine months... NBA Finals are going to be over in nine months. Mm-hmm. So if this drags out long enough, you're talking about all, you know, you're talking, if they win an NBA championship, it would be one with the current ownership group. Yeah. Yeah. If it goes that long. Yeah. So who's who gets the trophy if they win it? You know what? That's a problem. I'll be glad to find out the answer to. I know. Let's, I know let's, you're right. Well, that's that's a first world problem right there. If there ever was one. When we come back, Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard. One of a long list of problems the Cardinals will have to deal with. Is it a Goddard problem or is it a tight end problem or is it both for the Cardinals? That's next. Burns and Gambo. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, tonight is a bonus Burns and Gambo night because we've got Suns basketball coming up at 7 o'clock. They're in Vegas taking on the uh, Los Angeles Lakers in preseason game number two. I was just reading a tweet a moment ago from John Hollinger who said that every every NBA scout in the world is at that Suns-Lakers game tonight. Not because they want to uh, watch the Suns and the Lakers. They're already there. They're already there because those two international phenoms or those two <laughs> phenoms played last night. And apparently they're playing again tomorrow in Vegas. Vegas. 
So they're like, well, we might as well go watch the Suns and the Lakers. So it's going to yeah. be the most scouted NBA preseason game in the history of the association tonight in Las Vegas. Because I normally, there. I normally would not have much of a, a reason to want to watch that. Yep. But like now I do. Like yep. now I do. I, I think I have more of a reason to want to watch that. Uh, uh, that game between the Suns and the Lakers just because the Suns didn't play so well in that first game. 100%. I, uh, you nail on the head. I, I would never... I mean, I would tell people that it's on, and I would say, okay, watch Suns basketball tonight, right? But but, but preseason game? No. I'm going to watch that game tonight. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I, I just, I just want to see, because I... Admittedly, truth be told, I didn't watch a ton of the Adelaide game, right? I didn't really think it was, you know, on a football Sunday. I didn't think it was going to be a huge story, and then they lost as 30-point favorites. So tonight, yeah, keep my eye on that one tonight and watch that. So that's coming up at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, um, baseball. It was the final day of the regular season. So I don't, playoffs are all set. Yeah, playoffs are. I was just going to, I was mm-hmm. pulling up the matchups right now because the playoffs are all set. Everything. Thing is absolutely locked in when it comes to it. So here's what you got. The American League, and this all starts this weekend, by the way. Um, your wild card series in the American League, you got the number five Mariners against the number four Blue Jays. So let's go Seattle. I agree, 100%. Rooting for Seattle big time. Uh, the sixth-seeded Rays at the number three Cleveland Guardians. Now, there's no reseeding after the first round. So whoever wins versus um, it's a locked bracket. So it's the the winner of the five and the four gets number one. So the winner of Seattle, Toronto gets Houston. And that's that. Uh, in the National League, the Dodgers and the Braves are the one and the two. Wild card series number one, San Diego versus the Mets. Wild card series number two, Philadelphia at St. Louis. It's a best of three. There's no travel in the first round. It's all in the host city all weekend long. And uh, takes place on Friday, Saturday, and if necessary on Sunday. First to Man. three, first to two wins. The Mets were in first place for 175 days. Wow. The Braves were in first place for eight. Wow. <laughs> Buck Showalter and the Mets, they, they choked that away. Who are you rooting for in the National League? What do you want to see come um, out of the National League? I got two and I'm torn. I, St. Louis makes a lot of sense because of pool holes. I kind of don't dislike the Padres. I, I don't either. I don't dislike them. I don't dislike the Padres. I'm not going to root for Philly. Nope. So I, I'll take St. Louis over Philly. I'll root for the Mets over the Padres. I mean, I'll, I'll root for the Mets. Okay. New York guy. Makes sense. I, I'll, I'll root for the Padres because of Bo Mel. I always want to see him do well. Um I, I'm, I really want the St. Louis Cardinals to do well. I, I don't know. My eyes are just drawn to the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League and the Seattle Mariners in the American League. I think the Seattle Mariners are such a cool story. Man, it's been forever since they've been in the postseason. Yeah. For, I think it's really cool they're there. I don't know how long they're going to last. I'd like to see them do well. Yeah, I think it's really cool they're there. And I'm really rooting for Paul Goldschmidt in the National League. I, I hope the Cardinals... MVP? Make, yeah, I, that would be really cool to see him get that. That'd be really, really cool to see him get that. So, yep. uh, looking forward to some base. Baseball postseason coming up this weekend. i tell you what I'm not looking forward to this weekend. I'm not looking forward to potentially watching Dallas Goddard run all over the Arizona Cardinals because he has run all over everybody so far this year. He is the tight end for the Eagles, is a yards after the catch 
monster for Philadelphia. He is the number one player in the league when it comes to yards after catch. He's in a category with wide receivers who are fast, running backs who are fast, and yet there he is, number one. The next tight end on the yards after catch list is TJ Hawkinson. He's at number 16 overall. Man, you we're sitting here making a list of all the things that scare you about the Philadelphia Eagles. We barely talk about him, and yet, given the Cardinals' history against tight ends, you have to be scared of Dallas Goddard. Yeah, no, it's a great point that you put. You know that, that you pointed out this morning when you get ready for the show, just about how how dangerous a weapon he is. He's really good. I mean, he was so good they allowed him allowed him to give it to Zach Ertz, who was kind of an icon in Philadelphia. But I took a look, and you know, so far this year, the Cardinals have not had great success against tight ends. Travis Travis Kelsey had him for lunch, eight catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. The next week, Waller from the Raiders had six catches against them, 50 yards and a touchdown. Even Higby in a game where the, the Cardinals defense did well, Higby had four catches for 61 yards, averaged 15 yards a catch. And then the, the last week against Carolina, that guy didn't do that well. Three catches, 34 yards. But overall, 21 catches, 206 yard, uh, 266 yards, and two touchdowns against tight ends. So they've had some struggles against tight ends this year. Yeah, and this is another one of those games, and we'll hear from Vance Joseph tomorrow. Snap counts for Isaiah Simmons, snap counts for Zayvon Collins. I mean, at this point, I think Zayvon Collins is going to play just about every single snap. Simmons is the one that we kind of look at, and we remember what happened with Travis Kelsey, but that was a different version of Isaiah Simmons in week one. That was the one wearing the green dot. That was the one that might have been a little overwhelmed by everything that was going on around him. In addition to the responsibility of having to cover wide receivers and Travis Kelsey and things like that. I'm I'm not saying it's going to be any better. I don't even know if it's going to be any different. But I know that if Simmons does get 80% of the snaps like he did last week against Carolina, it's at least got the potential for him to approach it differently than he did in week one because he doesn't have as much responsibility Responsibility, kind of weighing him down out there. Um, Goddard's incredible. He, he's the only two. The only two receivers in this league who have more catches of twenty yards or more this year are two of the best: Tyree Kill and Justin Jefferson. Goddard is third on that list with six of them. He, he's been he's been extraordinary for them. And it makes you see why they were more than happy to let Zach Ertz go. As right. much as he means to that community, they're like, "Yeah, we got Goddard. We're good. Thanks. Appreciate right. it." Yeah, there's no question. And that'll be. And that, that's the toughest thing about. Philadelphia is they got a great running game. They got a great tight end. They've got a really great wide receiver. They got a really dynamic quarterback. Where, where do you where do you start? Like where do you where do you start as a game plan? You can't take away everything. Vance knows that, but but Vance like if if we we've known Vance pretty well. He's pretty good at taking away one thing. He took away Devontae Adams from the Raiders. Took away Cooper Cup from the Rams. So we know he's pretty good at taking away a key weapon. Now, against Kansas City, there wasn't much you could do. That no. was the first game. They weren't you weren't ready, hadn't played together. Even he kind of hinted at that. But he's pretty good at saying I'm gonna take away one thing. I mean, is it Goddard that you want to take away? Is it Sanders you want to take away? Do you want to try to bottle up the RPOs with Hertz? Like what is the, what do you look at and say, okay, I wanna I wanna take this away. If you're Vance Joseph, what's the one thing you want to try to eliminate? Do you think that this matchup rivals Kansas City in terms of no. the inability to take like like Kansas City had too oh, much that's a good question. that yeah. you just couldn't take th- is this the same thing is this the same buzzsaw that the the Cardinals ran into in week 1 are they about to run into it in week 5 
That's, you know, I was, I was going to say no, they're not the same team as Kansas City, but right now it's, yeah, like they're, it, it, it kind of is. Their, their weapons it? are this. They're, they're, yeah, the great tight end, great running game, great wide receivers, dynamic quarterback. You know, the quarterback's not as good, but he's still good. Great offensive line. That, that, great that, offensive line. Right. A better offensive line. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's and I know the Chiefs had revamped their offensive line, and it was thought to be better. But but the more the more you look at this, and and nobody's unbeatable. But you think about that week one and just how ill prepared. Now they didn't have JJ Watt, and and maybe that'll make a difference. This week, because he can apply pressure to the quarterback and, and do the things that he does. But there, there is the more we talk up Philly, the more you look at them and you kind of wonder, man, is this Kansas City all over again? Because it's just it's hard to find the flaws. It's hard to find the things you know that you can take away and the things that you can expose. I, 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 I think they're more vulnerable than Kansas City, but I can't tell you why I think they're more vulnerable than Kansas City because they look just as good. What would you want to take away if you could take away one thing? Um, I would want to take away Miles Sanders' ability to run the football. I think that would okay. be the first thing I'd say, eliminate that and see where that gets you. What would you say? It's usually what you do. I would try to limit eliminate the, the, the Jalen Hurts' ability to, you know, can you try to make him a one-dimensional passer the way, you know, the Rams do it to Kyler? Hey, listen, if you're going to beat us, you're gonna have to throw the ball like you like AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and and Goddard. Well, you know you're gonna have to beat us that way. I mean, is is that is that the best approach to try to bottle him up and say make and make him throw? I don't know. I, I mean, I think I think of all the links, his is the weakest. I I just but that just seems so almost disrespectful to say about him now with the season that he's had so far. I, I but I do think of all the soft spots on that team, his is probably the softest. Um, but there's that offense they run. It's just so good at playing to his strengths. It um, they've got their work cut out for him. But maybe getting some bodies back defensively. J.J. Watt, you know, having the great season. Zach Allen emerging. Zayvon Collins being on the field the whole time. Isaiah Simmons being on the field most of the time. Maybe that changes the equation a little bit coming up on Sunday. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, and yes, we are coming back on the Burns and Gambo show. We've got bonus coverage tonight because of Suns basketball. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. Or in this case, 2 until 6.30. As we're taking you until Suns pregame action tonight, taking on the Lakers at 7 o'clock. Pregame coverage begins, oh, in just about 13 minutes or so from now. And this is uh, something we did a lot of last year with bonus burns and Gambo. And, of course, we couldn't do it without the uh, the kindness and the generosity of our next guest for joining us, especially since he has his own show to get ready for. But he's a good guy, and we would expect nothing less than a few minutes of John Bloom's time. Suns broadcaster who joins us for a few minutes going into Suns basketball during bonus burns in Gambo. And as it were, Bloomer is in Vegas with the team, getting ready to call the game, which makes you doubly busy. So really appreciate you coming on for a few, Bloomer. You know we do. Oh, Bernsey, come on, man. We're talking hoops. That's what we're doing. This isn't like uh, brain surgery or rocket science or any of that stuff. In fact, you have impeccable timing because the big fella DeAndre Ayton just knocked down his traditional half-court shot in his warm-up, banked it in tonight. And 
uh, had a big smile on his face. He's now walking past me on his way back into the locker room to get ready for tonight's game against the Lakers. And there is a, a decent amount of energy here in T-Mobile Arena. It's the first time I've been in this gym. I know they usually are uh, lacing up the skates and playing some hockey like they did last night on the cold floor here uh, with the Coyotes and the Golden Knights uh, skating in the preseason. But they flipped it over. They put the hard court down, got the Welcome to Vegas sign at center court. And uh, a lot of Lakers people, though, I will tell you that. Oh, I'm sure. A lot, yeah, a lot of Lakers folks. And you know that can give you a, a certain type of feeling if you're coming about. <laughs> yes, they can. It's a certain kind of vibe when you're hanging around those Lakers people. I, <laughs> I totally get that. Well, it's a good, good walkthrough since most people just assume that at some point Las Vegas will have an NBA franchise of their own. When they start talking about expansion, man, Vegas, Vegas and Seattle are the two teams that seem to come up the most as cities that could get the next NBA franchise. So I imagine this is a good walkthrough for the entire town. Yeah, I think it is. And uh, look, this city has been a hotbed for basketball, not just recently, but for a while now. Sure. And it's both college, when you've got the Pac-12 tournament, you've got the other college tournaments that come to Vegas, and then, of course, Summer League, uh, which is across town over at the Thomas and Mack Center in the Cox Pavilion. And now with this brand new sparkling arena built right on the strip at T-Mobile, uh, yeah, I think that's why everybody's assuming they're going to have a team in the NBA someday. Darvin Ham before the game, uh, the new Lakers coach was even touching on that topic, assuming that there will be a team here sooner rather than later. And you know what happened last night right down the road in Henderson? Uh, they played where the G League plays, and it was uh, all eyes of the basketball world uh, focused on young Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson uh, going head-to-head. These 18-year-olds, it certainly seemed like they might be the future of basketball. All right, I want to talk Suns basketball with you, but since you're there in Vegas, a, t- a two-part question. Part one, were you there to see Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson at that game? And, and if you weren't, did you see it? I did watch it from the comfort of my hotel room because <laughs> I did not make it to the, uh, I think it's the Dollar Loan Center is what they call it out in uh, in Henderson, not that far, a suburb of Vegas. Uh, and, of course, the home of the WNBA champions as well here yes. in Las Vegas, the Aces. So hats off to uh, Becky Hammond and, and Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson and all the victorious Las Vegas Aces as they now have a championship here in town, courtesy of their WNBA team. But I did watch it, Bernsey. I was captivated more so than I expected to be by a couple of teenagers. One, because of just the pure, ridiculous size of 18-year-old Victor Webanyama from France. Uh, at seven foot five, they were saying he's pushing now in a wingspan close to eight feet. You just don't normally place your eyes on somebody who's that size, and then the way he can move that frame. It's incredible. It's I, unbelievable. I, just, I just saw the highlights. I didn't I didn't know somebody that tall could be that fluid. I, I had no it, it seems almost physically impossible for somebody to defy the law of gravity like that. I mean to be that fluid and that smooth at that size with that length. It, it I can see why he's the unabashed number one pick in the draft. It's it's very, very obvious watching even just 30 seconds worth of highlights of him play. Yeah, and the 18-year-old Scoot Henderson, who's the star of the Ignite team here in Vegas, uh, was no slouch either. He could be number one any other year, but because Victor's ahead of him, and I saw the quote that you know Victor's got a nice little uh, bit of 
swagger on him, too, from France, said, hey, well, if I wasn't born, then Scoot could probably be number one. Uh, but, but he was born, and he is going to be number one. I'd be shocked if, so, if, if anybody passes on him just because it's such a unique skill set well, to go with that size. He's shooting threes. He made seven of them last night, and it looks fluid. You know, I've always thought if you could be that big, you have a distinct advantage to shoot from distance, right? Not just because of your strength being uh, a bigger person, but your your vision, seeing over everybody sure. who's going to try to guard you. You can see the hoop. You can pass it, obviously, but you could, you should be able to shoot it if you put the time and effort into it. And this young 18-year-old has certainly done that. To the point where there was some speculation today that executives around the NBA were like off the record encouraging Webin Yama's agent to just sit out this year, have his guy sit out, that there's no... To, and the agent had to come out and say, my guy will not be sitting out this year. Good. He's going to play. But I could, I certainly could see... I, I'll be honest with you, Bloomer, we're friends. I've known you a long time. If I were Webin Yama's agent, I would. I might advise him to sit out. I might just say, you know what? I, you, there's nothing... You're the number one pick. I mean, there's nothing you can do to change anybody's mind between now and then. You might as well just sit out, rest up, stay healthy, and not get yourself hurt going into the draft because he's a special, special player. Yeah, it's, it, it is going to be interesting to watch the teams jockeying for position because now with the new rules, you don't guarantee yourself getting right. that top spot. So, uh, I mean, again, I, I know there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking and licking their lips and, and trying to get in line for them, and I am not upset that the Phoenix Suns are not one of them, Bernsey. I think that we can bring the focus back to this basketball team, and I think there will be a, a, a better focus tonight. At least that's my expectation. They'll be more focused than they were the other night against the team from Adelaide. Well, that was just a crazy shooting performance that we all witnessed by the visiting team from Australia. Yeah, let's talk about that because, I mean, normally preseason NBA action, I, I mean, there are things to watch for, but it, it, I feel like there is a sense among the fan base of an extra special amount of attention on tonight's game just to see how they respond. And, and I'll just tell you what I've said all week about that game. It's not so much that they lost in the preseason or that they lost to Adelaide or they were 30-point underdogs at home. It's how the bench played when they were in there. That was probably my number one kind of eyebrow-raising because I think there are questions about the bench that extend into the regular season when it starts. So in particular, is that something you're going to be watching for tonight to see how that second unit responds? Absolutely. And even who is in that second unit? You know, that's another factor here because we did expect that Dario Sharich would be part of that. And, of course, I had to bring up Dario when I'm talking to the one and only Dave Burns because, you know, the the president of the fan club should know that Dario looked great in his warm-ups. He, he certainly has fought his way back to being ready to play because he played in Eurobasket. So I think there is a healthy expectation that he's part of that second unit. We'll see whether or not it is tonight against the Lakers. But I'm with you. you got to see them uh, put forth a better effort. And part of it for me was that, you know, look, when, when that team, the 36ers, was knocking down three after three after three, you just wanted to see them change it up and, and try to contest a little bit more uh, and show that discipline and that focus. And, and I expect that they will tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers team that no Suns team should ever struggle to be focused against, <laughs> ever. Even in the preseason, this is the first time these two teams will play each other on a neutral side. I thought that was an interesting little nugget of all the times that they've faced off. It's never been outside Los Angeles or Phoenix. Uh, John, we're down to our last 60 seconds here, so leave me with this. We saw against Adelaide a straight hockey-style line change for Monty Williams. Five in, five out. Are you expecting the same tonight as Monty said he's going to do the same thing tonight? 
You know, he keeps it close to the vest, Bernsey, so he didn't let on uh, about his strategy and how he's going to do it. We did find out from his counterpart, Darvin Ham, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, all back in the starting lineup for the Lakers. So we're going to see them for probably 20-plus minutes, more than they played in their opener the other night, a 30-point loss to the Sacramento Kings at home. All right, Bloomer, always good to hear your voice. Stay well. We look forward to more of these conversations with Sun Season almost here, the regular season almost here. Look forward to hearing you on the call on the way home, and We'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Burns. Great to have basketball back. Great <laughs> to have basketball back. It is. John Bloom joining us there from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, where he will have the call of tonight's Suns preseason game. You'll hear that exclusively right here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Pre-game coverage begins in a few moments. And then, of course, tip time is at 7 o'clock. We are out of here. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.